everybody. Welcome back to another installment of the Off the Court podcast. Once again, a big shout out to ESPN Honolulu for giving us this opportunity, uh, the opportunity to shed a little bit of light on mental health and athletics. Um, it's something that's definitely not talked about enough. It's still a pretty uncomfortable subject for a lot of athletes. Um, so it's really cool to be able to bring on athletes like these guys I have with me today um, to talk a little, bit, a little bit about mental health and what it takes to compete at the highest level and manage your mental health at the highest level. So today's a super special episode. We've got four former UH Rainbow Warrior men's volleyball players, including myself. We got Joe and Gage Worsley and Colton Cowell. Now, the reason this is so very special is that the four of us are going to be reunited again this upcoming season in Germany for SVG Lüneburg. So I'm super excited to play with these guys again. Um, real quick before I introduce them, just an announcement. We're going to be doing a jersey giveaway as part of this special episode. So be on the lookout for an Instagram post from us at Off the Court and also from SVG Lüneburg. It's going to be super simple. All you got to do is follow those accounts, tag three friends once that post gets posted, and you'll enter a raffle to win an SVG jersey. So tune into this episode, enter the raffle, you'll get a chance to win. So let me introduce my boys. And we're going to start with the Holly Akala Hama, Colton Cowell. Colton's from Makawao, Maui. He is currently going to be playing professionally for SVG Lüneburg this upcoming season. He also played for UH from 2015 to 2021, correct? And he's a national champion, 2021 All-American. Dude's an absolute stud. He's massive. And until he goes and starts his professional season, he's just working and coaching in Hawaii. He's working for marketing and physician relations for PT Hawaii. And he's also a coach for Outrigger Canoe Club. So, Colt, welcome. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Next up, we got Gage G. Swizz Worsley. Now, he also added a couple nicknames during his last professional season. One of them was Gimli. If you ever watched Lord of the Rings, you'll remember that little dwarf guy. <laughs> Another one is the, the flying meatball. Yeah. Which, Steve Day. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense if you, if you look at him, you know? That's a good point. Uh, Gage also played for University of Hawaii from 2017 to 2021, right? Gage is also All-American, multiple-time winner of the National Libero of the Year Award, national champion. Dude's ridiculous. And, of course, he's going to be playing again with us this upcoming season at SVG Lüneburg. And he also just finished his first professional season for in Burgas, Bulgaria. Yeah. Great Welcome, time. Gage. Muchas gracias. And last but certainly not least, the man who's known by quite a few names, Cups. Local Joe, Joe McVlog, and the list goes on and on. There's a plethora of aliases for this guy. He's from the Bay Area. He went to the University of Hawaii, same time as me, from 2015 to 2019, a.k.a. the Harvard of the Pacific. Joe's been involved with the sport of volleyball since the day he was born and is the co-creator with Gage for Out of System, a volleyball media company that is currently on the sickest tour in the world. If you haven't seen any of their stuff if you don't follow them definitely go check them out nobody is posting the kind of stuff that they're posting it's funny it's controversial their highlights are crazy it's really good stuff 
He's also a teammate of everyone in this podcast. He's going to be playing for his second season with SVG Lunenburg after playing two seasons for Friedrichshafen, also in the first Bundesliga in Germany. And he's ready to absolutely get after it this I, next season. I, so welcome, Joe. Thank you, Dalt. Well, thank you very much. Again, uh, it's an honor to be on here. And like you said at the beginning, huge thank you to ESPN Honolulu for you. This is a really awesome opportunity that they're putting something like this on their platform. Um, and awesome for off the court. Um, that partnership's been really, really awesome. We've gotten a chance to listen to a bunch of stuff coming out um, on that platform and through that partnership. And super stoked for you guys. So thanks for having us on. Nice. Thanks, Joey. So let's go in reverse order. So this first part of the podcast, I'm just going to give each of you guys a couple minutes, give you guys the floor, talk about mental health, talk about if you've gone through something, maybe a teammate's gone through something, how you managed it, maybe things you were doing that really didn't help you at all. It could be from your college days, from your professional career, it could be from before that, even when you're playing club in high school. So Joe, we'll start with you. You got the floor, my guy. Awesome. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's interesting because coming back, I think all of us can agree for the most part. I think Colton's maybe going to learn more about it this year than he has uh, previously, but we're in a very unique position in terms of just our career choices um, and our lifestyle and how we, you know, where we're living, what we're doing, um, who we're surrounded with um, is completely different than I think most people in the world can kind of understand. And so for me, always the first month. So for example, Dalton, um, Gage and I, we just got back a month, month and a half ago. Um, and that transition, you're literally moving halfway across the world every seven months or whatever that is. And so that transition, it's really difficult for every, at least for my experience from all family, friends, people that I know to understand what we go through and how, you know, our daily lives, uh, what, what that's like for us. And then making that transition constantly and being out of a lot of people's lives that we've cared about. And for the first 21, 22 years of our lives, we've been heavily involved with. And so for me, especially recently, um, talking with close friends and student guys who are in our position, it's become very apparent that for me, like coming home, I need to be in a position where I'm super connected and able to be around people that I love and want to be around. And so like you spoke about at the beginning, out of system gives like for me, that's what it truly does give me. And that's why I love it so much. Um, but in terms of like how I've dealt with that and things that I've gone through, I think, you know, I just become super disconnected with people um, in the U.S. and across the world when I am overseas. And I feel that. Um, and it's hard for people to understand and perceive it, like what we're going through, what our everyday schedule is. And so and I understand that. And I don't want to sit there and, you know, like always feel like my life's lived through a phone or something like I want to be like really in the moment. And so but that's always difficult because I know like during the holidays for me is always the toughest part of the year because mentally it's like I want to be with my family and friends and I want to be back home and miss it and you feel like you're missing out on so many things and you want to be around people that you love and care about a lot um, but you can't be there and so in like my first thing is always to disconnect more so than to you know be super involved in a way and I think like the first couple of years of my career or my professional career um, I noticed that you know around certain parts of the year I become almost like more to myself which is kind of a, a weird concept and I don't know why that is um, and I end up you know in Europe too with just the cloudy gloominess being in northern Germany you don't see the sun I realized too how that seasonal sort of it's depression I don't know seasonal depression but seasonal like 
there's, a, there's another word for it, but where you're just constantly like in this gloomy phase and it's just like you're, you just don't have the energy that you do, you know, living in Hawaii, living in California. Like I'm here, I'm walking out to the beach, just beautiful weather every single day and just puts that alone can put me in a good mood. And I noticed from living overseas how that much that affected me. So all that kind of coming into play around like those, like uh, around the holidays, around like the winter months has really been difficult for me. That's always the most difficult months for me getting through. Um, and so, you know, I need to be a little bit better and figure out how to deal with that better, I would say. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, like you said, we're going to a team now with five guys that I've grown up with, with the majority of my volleyball career. And so that helps a significant amount. And we're super fortunate. You know, some guys, uh, women aren't that fortunate to be surrounded by that. Um, and I'm really excited about that. But I'd say that's like recently the biggest thing that I noticed about myself and how I've dealt with stuff, you know, from a mental uh, health perspective. Uh, those have been kind of the biggest struggles. I would say in the past year, past couple of years for me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really well said. And I, I, I've gone through the same things myself. It's, it's difficult, you know, you're not only you're in a different country where maybe um, you have a lot of non-native English speakers, of course. Right. Um, but the time difference too. I mean, you guys from California is what, like nine hour difference from Hawaii. It's 13, yeah. you know, for me, it's seven. So, you know, you get done with like a double day of practice like a lot of times you're just not really in the mood to, to talk yeah. to people. And I totally get that. And, but, you know, like you said, it, it makes a big difference when you kind of force yourself almost to just like reach out and talk to somebody, even if it's just, you know, your brother or your mom or somebody that you're really, really close to. So yeah, I love that. All right. Gage. Yeah. Give so, me something. Uh, well, everything that Joe said, I got to We've all experienced, you know, it's crazy. No matter where you are playing, you experience the same thing. Um, but for those who know who I've told about my Bulgarian experience, you know, it has been the best, you know, if I were to say, if I had a lot of fun there, I would not say that I learned a lot about myself. I also went through a lot of dark places. I don't usually go into it too much unless like my close friend or it's like, cause it's like a dark hole where it's like, if I go into it, you're going to say all these things. You're like, what the heck is going on over there? Um, but it's also, I realized about, I didn't really take mental health that important. I mean, that seriously until I got over there, you know, I learned a lot about myself, about everything. And I think that the biggest thing, especially that I've learned is your environment, you know, Joe talked about like, you know, coming back and coming in a sick environment, you're over there. I'm in an environment where I go and my team, my team was just extremely toxic and just a terrible, if you say workplace or environment to be in. Then I go out of practice and I just look around and I'm like, I'm in Bulgaria. It's just like, <laughs> buildings this is gray, dark, everything's corroded. Like everything's destroyed. And then I go, and then I'm just like, I'm like looking around and you feel like isolated. I remember one time, I remember one time, uh, it was after a, after I won MVP of the match or something like that, right? And it's supposed to be the highest. And I just kind of, I got my award. I just kind of like look around. I was like, I just felt, because I was the fortunate soul to be the only American player to ever play in the, in the Bulgarian league ever. So like, and I was like, I didn't, I, I, like, I was like, I just looked, looked around. I was like, there's like no one, I have no one here. And I remember just like breaking down and crying and call my mom. And I was like, like, what the heck? I'm like, uh, it's hard. Like the third week I was like, I want, I just want to go home. This is terrible. And it was a terrible experience, but I learned a lot. And I think that as soon as I came back, cause I also had, I got the fly, I got the nickname Keith day because when I first got there, I lost in five weeks, I lost 15 pounds. I'm like, we got to lose weight. I, was, I lost weight. I was good. And then I realized, I was like, 
I have an eating disorder. So then I went to another eating disorder and I gained 25 pounds, all that. Like my mental health just destroyed and just, I would not say Bulgaria and Eastern Europe is the most, uh, how do I say, most comfortable place to be and the greatest also on mental health. So it's like, you're not like you have anyone there. So it's like, I had, a, I had a lot of battles with other things. It's like, it got to a point where I'd go into games. I wouldn't even care if we won or lost. I'd be like, just survive without just getting, without sucking and not, well, just getting destroyed by your team. You know what I'm saying? And my confidence was shot down. And I realized that I placed a lot of my confidence on myself, on my volleyball game as well. So then like, I was like, I'm playing bad. I'm depressed about the whole day and I'm playing bad. I'm, you know, I'm just a terror, you know, I'm, I have no self-worth. And then I realized as I got throughout the season, I was like, I just started like laughing when they would start yelling at me or anything like that. I'm used to yelling. That's a whole nother level of what's going on over there. Um, and you just learn, man. You just learn. And I'm happy to never go to that place ever again. Knock on wood. Make sure that never happens. And I'm happy to join you boys in Germany. It's going to be an absolutely tremendous time. And uh, I can't wait to be with family again. Yeah, really well said, man. I mean, you and I have shared that experience of, you know, playing in Eastern Europe where you're the only American on your team. And I think especially what all four of us can definitely understand going from playing at Hawaii where the support is, I mean, second to none going to playing in Europe where it's, you know, it's a very, very big change. And if you're not really mentally ready for it, it's super lonely. I mean, playing professionally in general is lonely, but especially going from playing in Hawaii where you see people on the street and they would do anything for you. And then going and playing overseas where it's a very lonely experience. So Love it, Gage. Thanks for sharing, man. All right. Last but not least, Colt, go for it, boss. You got the floor. I think what Joe addressed in the beginning is important. Um, I think I'm certainly going to experience a learning curve. Um, but I'm fortunate enough to have all of you there on the same team. And I think that's going to be a, a very increased benefit in terms of my ability to maintain mental health um, and to maintain focus um, because I'm going to be surrounded by like-minded individuals. Um, typically, loneliness has actually never been an issue for me. I know that has been um, communicated a lot in each of your stories, and I may experience that, um, but I typically am sort of a creature of habit and very routine-oriented, and I spend a lot of my time alone because in high school, I had um, pretty much, I, I had crippling anxiety where I would miss weeks on end of school. Um, and for me, it's actually a little easier for me to be at peace by myself. Um, like when I'm in public, I pretty much always wear noise canceling headphones. Um, not really sure why that is. Uh, it's just something that, that makes me feel comfortable. So I do it, um, makes me feel safe, I guess. And so in regards to um, my experience, playing professionally, I was in India. Um, and India actually was one of those time differences. Uh, it was 15 and a half hours, if I recall correctly. And it actually was excellent because it allowed for me to have two opportunities every single day to communicate to people that I cared about. My morning would correspond well with their evening and my evening would then in turn correspond well with their morning. So I would get to check in. So it was interesting having somebody wake up as I was going to bed, but it would always allow for two interactions with those I cared about on a daily basis. And I feel that that was, that was very important for me. Um, where my sort of mental health has, I guess, degraded in a sense is um, I care a lot about 
I have a sort of fascination with, with kinesiology and the function of the body and how it relates to athletic performance and whatnot. And that led me down a path that eventually resulted in injury. Um, and I had a, a major operation done, a rotator cuff surgery of a fully torn supraspinatus labrum, bicep realignment, two bones for removal, um, et cetera. It was, it was the full kitchen sink in terms of what I had put my shoulder through. Um, and that um, actually, I think, having struggled through that allowed me to now enter my, my real first professional season, um, sort of relove, reliving the joy of, of being able to compete and being able to play because I was out of action for nearly, you know, four and five months. I did make a, a very rapid recovery and I was playing at a far earlier time than most, um, which I'm very fortunate and very blessed by. So thank you, mom and dad for the genetics. But at the same, at the same time, being out of action for that period of time after I had gone six years, which is a ridiculous time to spend in college um, <laughs> playing, playing athletics, it really becomes a business. Um, and you're constantly provided the same stimulus by the same coaches, by many of the same players. Um, and it sort of was a little bit, um, honestly, there were times where it was boring in a sense. And what, allowed me to sort of evolve beyond that was just focusing on the task at hand and sort of silencing any sort of external noise. Um, and so there were, there were definitely through on multiple occasions, there have been, there have been both positives and negatives that I've experienced. Um, and I would definitely not say I'm a finished product in terms of where my mental health needs to be. Um, however, I'm, I'm doing my best now. Um, like Joe mentioned, um, as a, as a focal point for his own mental health was to remain present. I typically throughout the years, um, have really embraced the process and, and work and my, I'm trying to develop a, a relentless work ethic. And, and with that being said, I, I sort of live my life in fast forward where every single thing I do is in preparation for the next day. Um, so I don't really ever go out. I barely ever spend time with other people other than those that I either live with or, my cat, for instance, right? I'm a very proud cat dad. Um, and so for me, it's, it's actually now I'm more focused on trying to remain present in the moment um, and enjoy it and enjoy sort of being in, in the moment um, on a daily basis and really taking experiences in as they come versus focusing on what's next. Um, and that's, that's sort of a cumulative summary of, of my mental health journey with brief glimpses of what I've experienced. No, it's great, man. And I think, I think I definitely can understand where you're coming from, you know, like in college, I was to put it simply, I think sometimes I definitely took working out in volleyball a little bit too seriously to the point where, like you said, like I, I wasn't going out, I wasn't really doing anything fun, especially like my first two seasons playing professionally in it. And it wasn't actually until I went to Hawaii last summer just to go and visit that I just let loose. Like I tried to just have a ton of fun every day. And I was like, oh, dang, I was not really that happy these last two years. And I think that's great. You know, I think taking this stuff seriously is super important because we're athletes. We're playing at the professional level like we want to compete. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't want to be 10 years in the future and say, yeah, I was really good at volleyball, but I wasn't really happy. You know, so I think finding that balance of kind of enjoying those experiences as they come, understanding that taking care of like, you know, social life and emotional health and mental health is super important. And it directly translates to performance. I mean, they're all very interconnected. So Colt, excellent, buddy. Thanks. So we're going to go 
back down the line, I'll fire off some questions here. So Cole, you talked a little bit about your injury and one of the biggest things we talk about here with, with off the court is how important the mental health side of injury recovery is. So, you know, you come off this huge high of winning a national championship and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh crap, you know, I have to delay my first professional season to go get my shoulder worked on. So talk a little bit about your mental process through that. Cause as you said, you recovered fast and I had no doubts in my mind that you were going to get your body back into peak physical condition. Um, but talk a little bit about, you know, how you stayed positive. If you even stayed positive, did you have days where you're like, man, I really just want to get back to playing volleyball. So talk a little bit about the mental health journey you went through recovering from that shoulder surgery. Well, I knew that I knew that I had something going on with my shoulder um, because I sort of was constantly in pain and I had a, a limited range of motion and extreme tightness. And I, I didn't quite know the severity of my injury until after I had stopped taking um, diclofenac orally through a tablet and diclofenac sodium topical gel in addition to the occasional naproxen. Um, and that was pretty much around the clock, which I'm sure did a number on my, my intestines. Um, but it, uh, it was something that because I had come back to my senior year at Hawaii with one goal in mind, and that was to win a national championship. I was pretty much willing to put my body through anything. And although some may argue, I, I wouldn't change that because the outcome was specifically that, that we won a national championship. But I, I truly do wish that I would have found a more proactive way um, in terms of developing my mental health um, regarding like just decision-making, like deciding to prioritize recovery, deciding to take nutritionally a little bit more seriously, deciding to not focus on constantly trying to hit PRs in the weight room um, or overtraining and getting extra reps in practice and focusing on this and that. And so my journey post-operation was, was difficult because I had to go on um, – painkillers and that pretty much makes you feel like you're underwater everything is sort of filtered to you and you're processing things slowly and even the way that people communicate it seems muffled to you it's difficult to interpret um and and there were days where my body would react differently to the painkillers and I'd be like all of a sudden fine on a car ride you know and then I would be throwing up all over everywhere sorry for the the graphic details but I would I would my body would reject um would reject the uh what was I taking at the time oxy I was taking oxy and my body would would some days choose to reject it um and I was taking Motrin and some days it would reject that and and so it was really putting my body through a lot but at the same time I don't think I had um many days where I was really negative or down upon myself because I went from cutting myself off from, from anti-inflammatories and pain medication to then experiencing pain where, to the point where I couldn't reach for a plate on the top shelf. And I had no strength to eccentrically lower my arm with that item in my hand to the point where I lost complete function of my arm for several weeks and had it in a sling. And as I started to regain range of motion, there was tightness, but there was never the same degree of pain. And that gave me hope 
in knowing that I will eventually be pain-free. And so all I focused on then was, I, I also lived a very sort of fast forward lifestyle then where it was just like, let's get to the next day. Let's get to the next PT session. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do that. Um, and really what was important for me was actually, you know, the risk of re-tearing and focusing on not overtraining it and not pushing it through the limits, um, which of course I, I probably took some risks. I would like to say they were calculated, but they may or may not have been. Um, but mentally, um, I would say that it was, it was difficult for me not to be impulsive. Um, and it was, it was tough, not in the sense that I was negative or feeling depressed, but it was, it was difficult in the sense to want to be back to playing and training so badly because it's what my body was used to. It's what my mind needed. It was a stimulus that provides me with an ability to release my emotions. So being static and being unable to move and do the things that I love that, that was difficult for me, but I always had that kind of glimmer of hope where I was, I was really focused on getting back to, to where I am now. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And I mean, being pain-free for sure, as I'm sure all of us can understand is definitely taken for granted. So I think that's awesome. You know, having that little glimmer of hope, it's like, man, I just got to finish this process. I'll be pain-free and then I'll come back even better. And I think that's really good advice for anybody going through an injury. All right. Joe and Gage, this is a combination question. So you guys both in the beginning, you talked a little bit about kind of the disconnect and a little bit of the loneliness that you guys both experienced uh, playing professionally. So talk about a little bit what it means for each of you guys to be playing together again. I mean, I'm sure that's, you guys are excited. I mean, it's, it's going to be a ton of fun for both of you guys. I'm sure it's going to be a ton of fun for me and Colt. I'm sure like anybody we're playing with, but for you guys specifically, like you guys played together growing up, you guys got reunited at Hawaii. You both had from, you know, from what you said, a little bit of struggle overseas. So what does it mean for you guys to now be reunited again at the professional level? Yeah. I mean, for us, it was a huge, huge hole coming back to like Lunaberg and going there and Stefan giving us that opportunity. We were always super thankful to Charlie and the staff at UH for giving our family that opportunity to experience that. Um, and now we're going to kind of get to experience that in a different way, I would say, but uh, with definitely similarities to kind of our uh, time at Hawaii. And so for us in, in terms of just like looking forward, I think you, like you were hitting, you hit it right on point that we had certain points, um, you know, coming back uh, from overseas. I think we both handle things on our own. Just our general nature is to handle things on our own whenever we have issues. That's how we were just raised in general. It's like, if you have an issue, you got to deal with it and figure it out on yourself and not really looking uh, for those kind of outward resources to help out. And so with that, like he and I will be living together and we'll be able to keep each other in line, make sure each other's staying on uh, uh, making good decisions and uh, making sure we're doing our job for out of system as well as, uh, you know, just in the volleyball court, I think he and I see the game very similarly and uh, hold each other to a high standard. So with all that being said, I think I'm, I'm very excited. I know my family is very excited. Um, it's gonna be really cool. I think all you guys know that we love playing with you guys and doing it together again is going to be super special for us. Yeah. I mean, gonna have a little buddy system going, like Joe said, you know, accountability. Uh, but no, yeah, man, it's, it's definitely going to be a very different experience from last year. And we joked about, I remember I joked about with Joe about like, oh, maybe pro will play together, you know? I, I don't know. For me, like after Hawaii, I was like, I guess the only time I'm ever going to play together is what, like 
on the grass or on the sand, you know? So now we have to get into play in first, uh, indoors. Like I said, my mom and dad are super stoked. They're like, we're planning two trips last Christmas or last, last season. There was no way they were coming out to Bulgaria or, you know, okay. You know, anyone like that. So I was like, I was like, so I'm super stoked about that. And, uh, just the, the family environment, just having like familiarity is like the biggest, the nicest thing and just a good system, you know, and, uh, with a great place with, with, uh, with great teammates. Just one happy family, the Burger Boys, baby. Alf Gates. Alf Gates, baby. All right, Gage, coming back to you again. So you talked a little bit about the beginning of your first season pro. You know, you went through some dark stuff. You're pretty lonely. And, you know, playing overseas, especially on a team where, in a country where, you know, English is definitely not a language that everybody speaks, your teammates all speak the same language that you don't speak. I'm guessing. Did you learn any Bulgarian while you were there? I did. I did learn some Bulgarian. That I, they thought I didn't know what they were saying about me, but I did. I did exactly. So, and I know that you said also that was kind of your first experience going through something that has to do with your mental health. So yeah. talk a little bit about kind of when you first noticed that. And then did you start to implement anything in your daily life? You know, did you start reaching out to people more? Did you start doing anything just to try to bring up your mood a little bit. So just talk about kind of when that first, what that experience was like when you first started getting those, you know, symptoms of like depression and anxiety and really just loneliness. And did you do anything to try to help it? Were there things that worked, things that didn't work? So just talk a little bit about your experience. Yeah. So the biggest thing was it started three weeks into it. I still remember it. three weeks is when I got real bad. I was like, damn, from the get go, <laughs> like it went, if anything, you guys know overseas life is like this, like this, but it'd be like, whoo, and then boom, plummet, like bad for me. And so what would happen was I'd be on these like, okay, you know, I've never be able for me. I was like, I could never hundred percent for some reason, like I'm really, I've never been homesick in my life, but wherever I am, I'm just kind of there. I'm present, but being present was so hard there. I could never let my guard fully down the point where I was like, I can never fully enjoy myself. I can get to that 85, 80%. Then I'd look around or I remember I'm in Bulgaria. My family's over there. Like Joe said, the holidays, absolute tragic over there. You know, I'll get to visit you guys. But other than that, I had Thanksgiving and everything. And I just think about home all the time. And that kind of helped at times. But this is seeing my help, my, well, calling my family a lot more. I call my family so much, call my brother a lot. Because um, the worst time, I don't know about for you guys, was in the middle of the day for me. No one's there. And you're just there. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm just like staring at a wall. Get to the point where we get so low energy and just so low energy. Anything, just like mentally just depressed. You're not tired. You're not hungry. It's like seven o'clock. You have nothing to do for that. So nice. You're just like sitting there. And I was like, I don't want to watch a movie. I don't want to do anything. Like you have no motivation, super depressed and everything. And, but yeah, like something that kind of helped me again was like calling home and everything like that. And just staying away from like, <laughs> I sometimes I, I used to, not be able to like for what I, I try not to leave my apartment because I was like my safe level, but like leaving that a lot more was definitely a lot more helpful. Um, try not to see my team as much as possible, to be honest with you, like stay away from that as much as possible. Um, just stuff like that, you know. Um, I'm gonna be honest, there was never really like it was, it never really got much better for me. Like, like I don't want to go on and on about this, but like it, it, it got pretty dark times and there was some terror, it was pretty terrible over there, and like. It never would, no matter what I tried, it just kind of, I just kind of like, these are, it's, it was an absolute, I don't want to swear, but crap show 
like on the court and off the court all the time, which is absolutely terrible. And so like they start yelling, I just start laughing a lot more. I just kind of remind myself, this is one thing that did help on the court, actually. I just remind myself, I was like, dude, I was like, dude, at the end of the day, man, like, what are they going to do? Kick my ass? Like, like, what, like, like, this one, like, you know, like, so I just started like, like, they just because the, it was terrible coaching too. And they say the most ridiculous things. So, and I just kind of, I just like when they, I just kind of laugh at myself, I'm like, oh, here it comes about to get just the whole practice. I'm either going to get spit at or, you know, or something. I'm going to get a death threat from my setter or something, which would happen on the often or the coach would go crazy or, you know, and I just like, you know what is what it is. I'm home. It's is only a thing that's going to, once it happens, I mean, what it's going to be in the past soon. It's the only thing that lasts this long when it's over. You're just going to laugh about it. I don't really laugh at it. I laugh about it, but I still have PTSD. And when I came back, I had nightmares about it, like thinking about it and everything. Like I don't really like think about it. It makes me anxious, but there's some funny stuff that come from it. You know, I've got a cool couple cool nicknames out of it, but to be honest with you, there was nothing really that like hundred percent put me over the edge. All right. Like, like when I was like, even like 60% better, you know, we just kind of embraced the pain, which I don't know if that's the greatest thing to do with mental health, but for me, I was like, there's no other option. Actually, I met Americans and I was like, I had to distance myself away from Americans because it reminded me from home. I met a group of Americans, but I was like, I can't, I can't like see or talk to you because I don't want anything to remind me of home, except when I talk to my family. That's the only thing that, that, that did it for me. Yeah. I mean, that's great. And I think that's, there's a really good piece of advice in there for anybody that goes and plays professionally is have a good foundation of people that you can reach out to that you're comfortable talking about your mental health with, you know, whether it's for you, Gage, maybe it's Joe, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's some other friends, right? I think it's super important to just have, even if it's just one person that you can text them and you're fully comfortable talking about mental health. Also, because also I think me and my brother were talking about this, like relationships overseas, whether it's family or girlfriend or whatever, it takes a strain too, because like you balance, like you have like you have to, the time change, the distance and what, like, your mental health they have to worry about and then obviously you know long distance i mean plays on them as well and it just plays this whole role and you're balancing that on top of playing volleyball on top of being in this country you know like it's like so it comes into this whole kind of thing so if you don't have that foundation if you don't have a place of of zen if you will you're gonna get like you're like it's gonna go it's gonna go bad like real fast for you so just make sure wherever you are make sure you have at least a stable surface or you're going down that dark hole i don't mean yeah. to get no no, and and that's good and i think it's also important um for those people that you're open to talking with kind of helping them understand how difficult the life that we live as professional athletes is you know because if they're just sitting there like oh my god you never talk to me anymore like what's wrong with you well now it gets even worse right you know i think it's super important for them to understand like listen i'm training twice a day if i train and i don't feel like talking then i just need you to understand that you know and I think it's a super big piece for anybody watching. If you know somebody playing pro or if you're dating someone playing pro, if your child is playing pro, um, it's difficult. So it takes a lot of understanding from both sides for sure. Um, Joseph, I've had the pleasure of playing with you quite a lot, four years at Hawaii and now another season playing pro. And to me, you're one of those guys that just has this ability to be just super mentally tough all the time, just like a really good ability to kind of leave everything off the court. Once you step into the 30 by 30, then you're, it's all business. Um, And I think as athletes, mental toughness is a super important concept because at the end of the day, the reason we're talking about mental health right now is because we want to perform, 
right? We don't want it to hinder our performance. That's what all athletes want is to perform better and compete. So talk a little bit about the balance and kind of maybe your approach when you enter practice, maybe when you enter a game where you don't necessarily just push everything down, right? Because I think that that's not necessarily a healthy way to do it, but I think it's important to kind of leave that stuff on the side once you're on the volleyball court, it's business. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. First of all, the, um, for sure, a lot of the stuff that was instilled in how I approach training, how I approach a match or anything in life was instilled through our parents and through how we were raised. I would say even like outside of volleyball, our first years of life. Um, and then transition for sure into the volleyball court, because we were fortunate to be coached by our dads from when we were seven to 18 years old. So it was, I mean, that's thir 13, 12 years of your 11, <laughs> years. Well, 11 years of my life. I was, had, I was coached by my dad and um, that's Harvard, Harvard of the Pacific. Um, the 11 years of our life we were coached by our dad. And so for us, like that was a huge thing for him is every day he didn't say that. Like when you come into the gym, I don't care. Like, there's stuff issues that you didn't do chores or we had homework that we didn't do or whatever the issues are like when we come in the court I'm your coach at the end of the day and we're focused on that and we deal with everything else like outside of that and I always really appreciated that um, and I think that's a super important concept that athletes have to understand and for me for sure is my place to kind of get away and you know if there's issues and any other aspect of my life um, I'm able to like go in and just compete and have fun and enjoy um, I would definitely say though that being overseas has challenged that for me more than anything um you know with issues like off the court uh stuff where like I would do my master's you know um being away from family like all the stuff we were talking about earlier like that definitely is challenged um not being able to walk outside into the sun and go to the beach like all that stuff um has definitely challenged my uh, ability to come in and do that but I think like to be honest when I got back from season this year uh I got to go to Hawaii I spoke to a medical professional that you guys know for, I met, met with her a couple of days. Um, and we just talked about like life and catching up and she works with a lot of athletes. Um, and she gave me some really good perspective on just how, like how I approach, uh, like my life in general and view different parts of my life, view practice, view my volleyball career. Um, and after that, like the way I perceived everything in general has, uh, been really, really awesome. And I'm super happy to kind of go back over. I feel like my mindset will be able to, I, I'll be able to handle that stuff a little bit better, um, both on a personal career level. Um, and so for me, it's always, it's so big, like being able to kind of flip that switch and not, and I understand you're not pushing it to like pushing it down, but setting it aside, going in and understanding like, this is my place to reset and, you know, focus on the task at, uh, the task at hand. Cause that's anybody who knows me too, knows like whatever's in front of me, I'm like super focused on and I'm not so good at like thinking about everything else going on at times, but I'm like, whatever's in front of me, like I I'm super focused on that. Like my brother all the time gives me crap, like, cause he's trying to talk to you about something. I'm just like focused on whatever that is in front of me. I can just get like zoned in and in my own sort of world. We both have that in a different sense. And so with that being said, um, I was just instilled from a young age from my, my father and my mother, uh, just being able to like, whatever you're doing, just be super focused on that. And, segment your thinking when I train too I'm super uh super big advocate we're working with kids in clinics all the time and that's what I tell them like you got to be able to segment your thinking in drills in a play in a game in a match I think that's so important as you're kind of processing anything and learning anything so 
that's kind of my my spiel on it. I would definitely say that like being able to do that and and uh, and separate those things in a way is really important. And I think that's whether you have a job, whether you're in school, anything, uh, any part of your life, like being able to separate that stuff is really important. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's I mean that's really great. And I think there's such a good piece of advice in there too. Is the reason a lot of kids you know start playing sports is to be an outlet for all these other stressors of life. You know, I'm stressed out at school. I just want to go hoop with the boys or I just want to go play volleyball. Or I want to go play some soccer, you know? And I think using it as that is super important. Like being able to like, all right, maybe I just broke up with my girlfriend, set that to the side, relax, have fun with the guys. And then once I'm done, then I can address that stuff and deal with it then. So I think that's, that's awesome. All right, Colt, you're back on the hot seat. <laughs> so you kind of have a unique um, perspective because you've been in Hawaii slash California pretty much your entire life, right? So you were born and raised in Maui. You lived in California for a while. Then you were back at UH through your college years for another six years. Um, and you got a little bit of a taste of the professional life when you went for that uh, short season in India. Um, so talk about a little bit about your experience in India and how are you preparing in terms of your mental health, uh, to go and play a full season kind of away from home and in a, in a place that's probably going to be pretty un uncomfortable for you. Um, India for me was difficult because as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. Um, I'm routine oriented. Um, and I eat a lot of the same foods. I eat a lot of the same foods and uh, the spices there were very difficult for my body to process. And, and I was, I thought there would be some sort of hybrid diet that I could go on, or there would be some sort of resource food wise available that I could just eat. And that became garlic naan. But when your body is just eating bread nonstop and virtually nothing else, um, my energy levels flatlined. And it was difficult for me to perform during double days, especially coming back where the strength and, and basic coordination had returned into my shoulder. But I'm still in the relearning process of the sport and the various repetitions that I was performing um, I would get frustrated one because my energy was not at a peak performance level for a majority of my time in India. And secondly, when I tried to focus on certain things, I had to remember, um, I had to remember that when it came to training, I'm still almost relearning the sport in terms of my overhead contacts in a sense and what I really want to do because my time at UH, when I was playing with an injury, there was a certain fan and scouting report that was developed. And frustratingly enough, I couldn't really go away from that offensive pattern that I had developed at UH because my shoulder really wouldn't allow me to contact the ball and generate power going away from my body or a certain swing, you know, thumb down, which is forbidden anyway at UH. But, but if I would try to perform, if I would try to perform, you know, certain actions, they almost felt unnatural to me. And um, they weren't painful because um, I had, I had done a ton of physical therapy, I had recovered really well. 
but they were unnatural in the sense that I haven't done thousands and upon thousands of repetitions performing that action, especially not with the shoulder that's relearning its function. Um, that was a bit of a tangent, but uh, my experience in India as well, as, as you mentioned, and Joe mentioned, and Gage especially in, in Bulgaria, um, there's no, there is no distinct di uh, dialect or language in India. It changes by district. And my team had players from every single district. So even they had a difficult time comprehending each other. So as you can imagine, I, I was quite lost in terms of my social interactions. Um, and I, I was missing that component among my teammates because they're actually a very intimate people. They're, they're extremely affectionate, honestly. Like they're, they're going up and they're kissing each other on the cheeks and they were constantly giving me hugs. But it was, I could tell even on, from their perspective, it was frustrating knowing that we kept trying to communicate but the only way that we would interpret each other was honestly, like I could be texting someone five feet away from me. And that's the only method of complete comprehension they would have, because if it was verbal, they wouldn't understand. But I also then learned to read people's emotions better. And because they are so practiced in their spirituality, I felt that they could understand when I was portraying certain emotions as well. Um, and then to answer your question about how I'm preparing for the the, the full professional season that is typically, I believe, between seven and nine months, which is far more extensive than a simple month and a half in India. Um, I'm trying to maximize the time that I have now with family, taking opportunities to visit, um, making sure that the relationships that I'm prioritizing, um, I'm, I'm essentially leaving on a good note and I'm closing the door and, 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 and leaving or finishing this chapter on a positive note in regards to the relationships that I've built here in the community um, and really trying to invest my time and effort into positive, positively contributing to others' lives. Um, but in terms of my individual preparation, um, I, I'm, in, in all honesty, there isn't much that I'm, I'm practicing upon a daily basis. Uh, I'm going into it with an open mind. I'm trying to leave the expectations out of it. I'm trying to go into it with simply just the fact that my task at hand is volleyball. And I want to execute that at the highest level possible. I want our team to win a lot because winning is fun. Uh, and also, I know that for a fact, you know, the three of, the three of you, um, in addition to having Jordan, who I'm familiar with, um, and Stein also in Germany and whatnot. Um, I, I, I'm pretty easy when it comes to like generating my own happiness. Like I'm, I'm, I'm relatively good at that. And when I see you guys, I kind of just get this sort of um, excitement, right? And anytime you guys text me and, and if we were to look at my phone right now, there's a lot of blue, blue messages. There's a lot of people that I, I try not to leave on red. I just try not to open the message to begin with. I'm, I'm a terrible texter and I'm terrible at communication. And, and honestly, if somebody's trying to contact me, it typically has to be through somebody else to get my attention um, because I live sort of in my own world for a lot of the time. Um, and I feel that what I'm really trying to communicate right now is the fact that um, my, my close friends, um, like the three of you, are people that ground me. And they bring out this excitement and this joy to interact, to explore, to experience, to adventure, and to perform at my highest level. So I think the best version of myself 
um, in a sense, is dependent upon those that I'm around. Um, and I will always, always work hard, but it may not be to my own enjoyment if I'm on my own necessarily, as much as when I'm surrounded by people like you, um, you know, people like Joe and Gage that I have um, a long lasting relationship with. Um, I think that's when I'm going to essentially be at my best. I have a question. What is not? What do you mean by that? Naan is, is that bread. Um, okay. It's like the garlic bread that they make. Yeah, it's like a pita bread in a sense. Got it. But it's, it's, it's really good. It's really good. Um, that's, a, that's the question but, you had out of all. But, but <laughs> my it's, it's, really, it's a really good bread. It's just that if you're eating it, it's good. you know, six or seven times a day, um, and that's the only thing on your plate, it's, it's just brutal. It's brutal. Wow. It's brutal. Yeah. That was great, Cole. I mean, I, I almost shed a tear there, my man. That was beautiful. Um, Thank you. So next question. This one's going to be for all three of you guys. Um, we'll start with Colt. We'll go back down the line again like that. Um, so the, the four of us, we've had the joy of playing together at UH. Um, you know, we did some really amazing things. You know, Gage and Colt, you guys are national champions. Joe, we got close. But, you know, that our senior season was incredible for a number of other reasons. Um, obviously I, you know, Gage and Colt, you were a part of that too, but just let us have it. Um, and I think one of the biggest concepts and one of the biggest reasons why mental health kind of has such a negative stigma among athletes is that we're kind of put up on a pedestal of being like the pinnacle of health and fitness and, you know, showing signs of weakness and people are like, Oh, he's a professional athlete. Like he shouldn't be showing any signs of weakness. Um, and I think, I, you know, I think you guys would agree that kind of that concept of being put up on a pedestal was even more kind of intense at Hawaii, you know, when we're, the public eye is on us at all times, you know, everybody's recognizing us, we can't like, make a misstep, we can't do something dumb that somebody's going to see and then it's on the news the next day, right. So how did you guys feel about that kind of that almost sort of being like a celebrity? Um, in Hawaii, did you feel that that was positive for your mental health? Did you really enjoy the kind of support that you got? Or was it, um, did you feel kind of like stressed? And did you feel like some pressure about that concept of like, everybody's got their eyes on you? Essentially to answer your question directly, I view pressure as a privilege. Um, and in terms of whether I view it positively or negatively, um, I think that, that that is really up to interpretation. However, um, for me individually, um, I, I enjoyed my experience at Hawaii. I had a lot of pride in representing the state of Hawaii. Um, I, I believe that I, for the majority, viewed it positively, at least to the public eye, but then when I was you know, training alone or alone in my own space. Um, I typically crack down pretty hard on myself and I'm, I'm relatively unforgiving. Um, and and I, I think that that has served me well as an athlete because it's developed kind of a relentless work ethic, so, so to speak. Um, but I also think that I lack forgiveness in some aspects. Um, in addition to, you know, relationships, um, with those that I'm close to, I may, 
I may not necessarily be as forgiving, as compassionate, as understanding simply because of the fact that I was held to such a high standard that that kind of carried over into um, all facets of my life. And I think that as long as I interpret that as a privilege, I'm able to work through it positively. Um, but I certainly, uh, I'm looking to develop that more now to the extent where I can find balance. It's not necessarily an extreme high or an extreme low because it, it certainly was that for a long, long period of time. And so now I'm, I'm focused on finding a healthy middle ground that typically if I'm plateauing, I'm never dipping below that original plateau. I'm only increasing my capability to process um, stress or pressure or sort of scrutiny from the public. Um, I want to interpret that. I want to embrace it. And then I, I would like to sort of, as I, as I process those emotions, I want to interpret them as positive. And that if in fact I commit some sort of error or something that is now available to the public eye that views me in a negative manner, I need to also then embrace that um, in a professional manner. And so I do appreciate the level of professionalism that I developed through that um, scrutiny to the public eye. Yeah, nice, beautiful. Gage, the man who literally doesn't care what anyone thinks about him. I'd love to hear your answer on this one. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I realized that I, well, I didn't realize this till later. I unintentionally created my image as an absolute buffoon, like idiot. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, that never, I'll be honest. I was like, oh, sweet. Smiles are on me. You know, it is what it is. So like, I probably got away. And same with Charlie. I got away with some stuff probably from Charlie. I never did anything like crazy, but just like some other guys did some like absolute wild crap that I was doing. Probably would have gotten yelled or something like that. But for me, I guess I had this image of uh, like, for, for example, you know, Gronkowski in the NFL, like he didn't get fined as much as other players when he was the exact same thing. Same thing here. You know what I'm saying? I was just kind of known as this wild rambunctious soul that uh, did what he did. Just uh, what was the same beat to the heart of your drum or something like that. You get what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, that, Close that, enough. that answer pretty much. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> it's, Beat to the rhythm of your own drum. Thank you. I believe. Thank you. I just, I just like to play ball and wear gold chains at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? That's all there is to it, man. No, I, I mean, I, it's sick. In Hawaii, every kid I talk, I, we're living here in LA and I talk to kids all the time. Like, Hawaii's the place to be. You want anything possible? It's the Harvard of the Pacific, really good education, uh, volleyball. You want to be the man on the island? Like, everything, it's the full package the right now on the island. <laughs> In Hawaii right now, um, it's a sick gig. You know, you guys, you guys all saw like our last couple of years um, at Hawaii. You guys, you win a lot. They love you, and you, you know, it's really nice. It's you. nice being on the volleyball team in Hawaii right now. I'll say that. And so, uh, and so, it's super cool. And I think you have to be able to balance that. I think it's more so like the expectations of the team and understand that you are in the image. You know, like we had guys doing like really minor stuff, getting emails to Charlie kind of like calling my guys out and that's never fun to deal with as a team <laughs> because it's usually punishments. You're usually up at 6 a.m. having to do something. Um, but you just got to be careful, you know, and understand that with that, there's a lot of kids who like, know who you are uh, and are looking up to you. And at the same point, um, you just got to be mindful of that and be responsible with that. So, but I, I think there's the, the benefits of it outweigh anything negative of that. It's so cool to play in Hawaii right now. And I think it's the spot to play. I don't think there's any place better. 
Oh yeah. This yeah, har- I, this Harvard of the reference. It reminds me of a. Uh, it reminds me of the Anchorman, the Chicken of the Cave. <laughs> hey man, who's a Hawaii's name? No, I, and I love that too because I I am in full agreement. I think that that kind of being put up on a pedestal shouldn't be treated as like, okay, I can't show any signs of weakness because, you know, Joe, like you said, you're a role model at that point. And if there's some young athlete that's looking up to you, Joe, and saying like, Oh, you know, Joe, he actually like talked a little bit about his mental health. You know, it kind of makes me want to address it. And I think there's also that level, like Colt, like you said, it teaches professionalism, which I think in any aspect, whether you're going to go play professionally or not being a professional, you know, showing up on time, being well-kept, being able to talk to people, that whole thing that you learn when you're an athlete at Hawaii is life skills, whether you're working a desk job, whether you're an Olympian, you know, I think that they're applicable no matter where you're at. Um, Last question. This one again is for the three of you guys. So we'll start with Joe this time. This one's simple. What advice do you have? Maybe what advice do you have? Maybe what advice would you give to yourself those first couple of seasons playing pro, especially for you, Gage, you know, I I know you talked about um, you didn't really do anything for yourself when you were in those dark times. So maybe what advice would you give yourself in that time? Maybe what would you change? And then Colt, same question, you know, what, what advice would you give somebody maybe going through an injury? um, Maybe somebody more like you who is a little bit more closed off to people and kind of has a very tight circle and is very routine, routine oriented. So we'll start with Joseph. Yeah, I, I think I said at some point today that I, in general, have always dealt with stuff myself. Like, that's just kind of how I grew up in a family where it's like, you just, these are your responsibilities, get it done. And that's kind of uh, the end all be all, so to speak. Um, Not to say like, not to say in a negative fashion, but I think that that allowed me to be very independent in a way. But at the same time, I think as I've grown older, I think I've realized that I, probably can you know speak to people more and uh have expectation for other people because for me I've always been somebody who's like it's really tough for me to trust people in general um that's really difficult I think anybody who's close to me can understands that and sees that and so I I literally was speaking to somebody you guys know Dr. Ignacio I spoke to her a bunch um really about career stuff uh when I got back and how I handled different situations um and since then i've been very very clear on like what i want in life what i want uh for my career and how to handle uh a lot of the ups and downs of being overseas and she gave me some really really good perspective and it literally it was just like a month ago that i uh had started really kind of speaking to her and i guess that's what i would say is like just be understand that you can uh um, work with other people and speak to other people about uh, stuff who have been in your position and have good perspective over that. I think that's really important. I'm not saying like you have to go speak to a medical professional or anything, but somebody that you trust and somebody that you uh, value their opinion and who understands and has perspective of situations that you're in or uh, have been in, um, I think is super important. And I think I benefited a lot from, from doing that uh, and have been super stoked with just where I'm at and where I'm headed uh, with things in general. So I guess that, that would be it. I hadn't really kind of spoken to anybody uh, who gave me that type of perspective. So that was super, I was really appreciative of that. Oh yeah, that's great. And I think it's also important to note, like when you, you'd be surprised 
as an athlete, how many people have gone through the same things that you've gone through, you know, whether it's poor communication, whether it's being in a country where you're super lonely, whether it's going through injuries, whether it's going through, you know, relationship problems, anything like that. Um, you'd be surprised, you know, if you're an athlete, like you'd be surprised how many people, even in the exact same sport that you play, right. That have gone through similar things and are a great person to talk to. And, and it's, I think the beautiful thing about mental health is that just talking about it helps you and helps somebody else. So I think the more you talk about it, the more you open up, the more people you have that you're comfortable talking about it with, um, the better off you'll be. Gage? For me, it's the main thing about kind of creating your a good environment. And I tell myself, you'd be like, hey, man, like the situation is crappy, but like you got to make the best of it. And you got to create something that you can. One thing I actually did that helped actually is I made my room and I cleaned my entire apartment before every game. So, like, it's going to be absolute crap show out there. When I come back, I have something calm. Just kind of create an environment like that. Right. So, and I realized that literally once I left, as soon as I stepped on US soil, it literally solved all of my mental problems. It felt any problems I had in life. I mean, except for the fact I had to lose some, lose a couple of pounds because I look like a flying meatball, if you know what I'm saying. The other than that, that's still that's still happening as we speak. But stuff like that, where it's like just create as soon as your environment changed, it's just a good and healthy environment, everything's like that. You know, and, and you're not gonna be put in that. So you gotta make sure you you make your own. Um, and it'll solve a lot of your problems. Like any addiction any other any other problems that you have it all is about your environment a lot of the time um and give yourself a good environment give yourself great people around you you can have a good life man yeah and that's great and i think it's important to note that even when you are in a place like bulgaria where you didn't necessarily have a great experience with your team you didn't necessarily have other people outside of the volleyball team there physically that you could kind of relate with and talk to even in a situation like that, you found ways to create that environment. So I think it's a lot easier than you think to kind of create a good environment for yourself, whether that's, you know, like you said, being able to come home to a bed that's made after a really tough day, you know, just little things like that can drastically change your mental health. So I think that's great. Creating an environment is super good advice. Colt, hum that thing in there, chief. I, I love what Gage said about environment. Um, I love what Joe said in regards to keeping his perspective open and segmenting his thinking. Uh, I think it's important to question everything, virtually everything on a daily basis. Uh, not to the point where you're questioning your own life. Obviously, that's not really what I mean. It's, it's more of when it comes to your mental health, it's question whether or not what you're involving yourself in positively or negatively affects you. And if it's negative, don't simply just look to give up or take the easy way out. See if there's a way that you can sustainably work through it. Um, in terms of an injury, that is certainly a negative aspect of my life that I have experienced, but I found a sustainable way to work through it. And I, I chose to invest everything I had into myself in, you know, critically thinking about resources of, you know, what does overtraining look like? What are symptoms of overtraining recovering from this specific injury? Okay, so I learned what to navigate through. Like if I felt pain, I knew to hold myself back because at the end of the day, with the rate that I was recovering, my physical therapists didn't necessarily have me on the cookie cutter blueprint or plan. It was more of a navigate by pain recovery for me. Um, and I had to be very honest with myself and not simply look to push through physically when I knew it was hurting. Um, 
And in regards to what Gage said about creating his own environment, um, I think that's big. I think that's really big. I think that if you can create an environment that allows you relief and allows you help from the, the stressors of the day or simply just a place where you can feel at home and ground yourself and be present, you can take a couple minutes to simply reset and that can affect the trajectory of your entire day. Um, so in terms of just mental health, it's really just, I, th I think it's, it's the, the level of interest that you have in mental health and, and what you're willing to invest in your self-development is going to generate an outcome. Like you, you are the summary of the decisions that you make on a daily basis. And if you choose to make decisions that positively contribute to your mental health and your quality of life, you will live a happy life. Um, and, and with that being said, the last point I have is, is that I, I, I appreciate when people are openly expressing their struggles, but not everyone is special in a sense. They, there is always somebody that really has more confounding variables or has a circumstance that's worse than your own. And I think it's important to try to not necessarily minimize and suppress. It's more like you mentioned, it's not suppress downwards. It's more move it to the side um, and reframe it to where you observe it differently and you look to approach resolving it at a different angle or from a different angle. Um, that's sort of my take on, on mental health as a whole. Um, and I think that, yeah, in regards to this first season, it's, it's really just about the fact that being present is is everything and nurturing the relationships with those that you care about um, are everything. Yeah, no, that's great. I think being present in general with your mental health is such a really good piece of advice because at the end of the day, maybe it's a little bit intimidating, but the, the fact of the reality is everything you do will affect your mental health in some way. You know, if you go home and slump on the couch, turn your phone off and watch Netflix for like eight hours, you're probably not going to feel super good after that. But if you go home after practice, maybe you had a bad practice and you call your mom and you have a good talk with your mom. It's like, okay, that made me feel better. And kind of noticing those things like, all right, this makes me feel better. This makes me not feel better. And avoiding those, the latter and trying to do more things like the former, you know, finding things outside of sports, I think that makes you happy is such a big one. You know, I think, Colton, you've got this passion for, you know, kinesiology and stuff. Joe and Gage, obviously you guys have out of system, which I think you guys have found a ton of joy doing stuff like that. And I mean, I think that's for me personally, one of the biggest pieces of advice is pieces of advice that I would give an athlete is you're not just an athlete, like have, it's not about having a backup plan. It's about having other ways to make you happy. Cause at the end of the day, even though we use sports as an outlet, there's going to be days where you're pissed after a practice. Like it's the reality of playing sports, especially at a higher level, right? Cause now it's, it's, a, you know, for the four of us, it's our jobs now. It's not just a hobby anymore. And so I think, yeah, you guys said some great stuff again. Thank you guys for coming on another shout out ESPN Honolulu. Thank you so much again. Um, one more time, just to mention it. Jersey giveaway, be on the lookout for that post from off the court and SVG Lunaberg um, doing a Jersey giveaway. Pretty simple. All you got to do is follow off the court and SVG tag some friends and you'll enter a raffle for that Jersey. So I hope you guys enter that. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Jake Gage, Joe Colt. Thanks boys. Thank you. Peter Patter. <laughs>